Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Golden Guardians podcast. I'm your host, Brandon, also known as Super Fanboy Guy, and I'm here with my lovely and beautiful co-host, Jacob Wheeler. Jacob, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I've never been called beautiful before. <laughs> that, that really, it, it hits me, hits me home. I don't have like a... I don't have like a YouTube nickname either, so I feel not cool. Well, you, you know? do have a Discord name, but it's like really impossible to Yeah, say. dude, Smitty Smitty Werben Jaeger Man Jensen. Like There you I, go. You know? <laughs> uh yeah, so okay, so we have a lot to cover today in this episode. So what we're going to be doing is Jacob's segment is gonna be called like what defines a meta and the Things that he's going to talk about in his segment is, you know, definition of a meta. What is a meta? You know, discussion of net decking and anti-net decking. You know, also he wants to talk about what is a tier 1 deck versus a tier 1.5 deck. You know, what determines, you know, a tier 1 from a 1.5. And then he's also wants to talk about playgroup etiquette, which is, you know, if you're with your playgroup, you know, what are some things, you know, to take into consideration when you play in a playgroup. And my segment is going to be – is probably going to be the biggest out of this episode because we're going to do something called Versus System Finance. And what that is, we're going to kind of – this is the first time we're doing this Versus System Finance. It's going to be a segment where we talk about four different sections, and we're going to talk about cards you should buy, where to buy the cards, how to determine the value of your cards, and we're going to do something called Market Speculation. And before we go any further, Jacob, I just want to say that we have a sponsor for this episode. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm super excited because this is like the first sponsor I ever had for any like card game related podcast that I did. And our sponsor for this video is Category1Games.com. Obviously, many people in the Versus System community are familiar with the name. And we have a special promo code that we're going to give out later in the episode, so make sure you tune in for that. But yeah, special thanks to Category1Games.com for sponsoring this episode, and I'll kind of talk more about them as we go along. But yeah, great website. The inventory that they have on there is great. You know, they have Versus System cards, and they also have like a bunch of discontinued card game singles on there, so like Harry Potter... Star Trek cards, Star Wars cards, all sorts of stuff. So make sure you guys check out Category1Games.com and, you know, just to check out their inventory. So with that being said, uh, Jacob, is there anything that you want to talk about before, you know, you get started with your segment? Um, yeah, actually, I, I think uh, I think Category1Games sells Magic the Gathering, too, and, and yeah. some other awesome plays. Yeah, that's that's a great website. You know, it used to be Cool Stuff Inc. Not not the website, but that used to be the main hub for Versus. Was like CoolStuffInc.com, and um, somebody bought them out. I, I'm not really sure who. If anybody knows who did in the comments, that would be awesome. But uh, suddenly, bought, like, bought out the Versus system just, cards. You mean, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh-huh. Not bought suddenly out Cool Stuff Inc. Because I think they're still around. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Their stock was just gone one day, and um, that that was a big one. And then you know, Category One Games came along and started doing verses, and I think it really, uh, really saved the community and and kept it going because I I thought all hope was lost after uh, after Cool Stuff Inc. You know, was out of stock for sure. Yeah, and they're definitely the the number one website where people are buying versus system singles. But we'll kind of go into more detail later about that in the episode. But for sure. So with that, you want to start on your segment? 
Yeah, let's do it. You know, Brandon, uh, Golden Age uh, for versus system, I think, has really gotten a bad rap because of the lack of like boundaries and understanding of like, you know, what a meta is and, and things of that nature. I, I've heard so many people say things like, "Oh, I, I hate, I hate Golden Age. I don't play it anymore. I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. You know, all, all these decks and stuff have ruined it." I think the problem with Golden Age is like your card pool is every set. For an example, uh, Legacy and Magic. You know, your card pool is so wide that it opens up to a lot of broken decks, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think that's kind of the problem that Golden Age has. It's it's essentially the legacy of Versus System. But it's also really interesting because, you know, you can also come up with a bunch of new brews for decks and things like that. It really depends on how someone thinks about Golden Age, personally, now that I'm kind of thinking about it. But, yeah, Golden Age has been kind of, like, doing this weird thing lately where it's been really good or really bad. Yeah, and, and for those of you that don't know... You know, the word meta just gets thrown around an, an absurd amount, and, and there's a lot of flack that comes behind it. There's a lot of praise that comes behind it. Definitely, people are like, when people hear meta, they just kind of cringe and, and recluse into their versus hidey hole because of, you know, everything that we had just talked about. But, you know, what defines a meta is essentially, and especially a meta game, is, is like a game within a game, right? And so the, the idea of a meta is typically like the study of a subject within itself, right? And anytime humans get a hold of anything competitive, a, a meta gets created because we tend to hyper-focus on the small details within the game itself or within the sport or within the act of what we're doing. So uh, a good example is, um, you know, there's a, met, there's a meta to parenting, right? Uh, you know, if you if you screw this up in a certain way, if you beat your children mercilessly, you don't give them, you know the attention that they need, or or something like that, or something to those lines. Um, there's going to be negative consequences to it, and so the meta of parenting is don't do those things, right? Mm-hmm. And just like the meta to you know bowling, there's a very specific way that you need to throw the bowling ball, right? Mm-hmm. Or uh, you, you know, in the bowling lanes, the little arrows. Right? Of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I'm not a very good bowler personally. I'm, you know, and I know that has nothing to do with verses, but, uh, you know, there's a very specific way that you need to line up the ball with those arrows and the spin of the ball, and and you know, competitive bowlers have gotten this down to a meta, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, football plays uh, specific plays in football. You know, there, there's a there's a very specific meta of what you should be doing depending on where we're at in the game, you know, what down we're at and stuff like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and, and we see it in, in card games as well. Um, So, you know, that study within itself, you look at, you know, magic, you look at Yu-Gi-Oh, you know, anything like that. There's a, when you have this vast array of, of cards, there's only a certain amount of combinations you can really use that are going to be the most efficient. And we see the meta narrow, as the sets lessen, so like say we were to play Silver Age, right, or Modern mm-hmm. Age, which I don't think that's a thing anymore. And, but, and uh, by well, the way, well, j- just to be clear too, Golden Age, when we're talking about Golden Age, Silver Age, and Modern Age, and this is definitely something to bring up, Golden Age is your pool of cards come from any set, and obviously there's a banner restricted list. Mm-hmm. And Silver Age is 
I forget. It's like it's everything from was it Marvel Team Up? I, I don't remember the card pool, but your Silver Age your card pool gets cut. Uh, like certain sets are not legal in Silver Age format. And then I think Marvel Team Up is the cutoff. I, I it think. is okay. I'm I, sure I, somebody will correct us. Yeah. Yeah, somebody correct us, but that's what Silver Age is. And then Modern Age, I think, is like the last four or six sets, something like that. Yeah, so, it's 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 something. So, yeah. So it's like the the late the latest sets that were printed in the game. That's what Modern Age is. So yeah, it's just like a, the standard in Magic, right? Yeah. It's like ex- standard in yeah, Magic. like yeah. like standard Modern Legacy, essentially. Right. So right. there's a cutoff point with sets that define that format, but I don't remember what it is. But just to throw a little context out to the listeners out there. Yeah, thanks for clearing that up, man. You know, as we as we move forward into saying like, oh, we're gonna play, uh, you know, Silver Age, or oh, we're gonna play Modern or Golden Age. You know, our our diversity for our sets will obviously change, and if we can only make a very specific combination of like the best cards, right, within that pool things are just going to be different. You know, we see it with uh, Magic Gathering, uh, for those of you that play that, or even Yu-Gi-Oh! or something like that. If we have a, a smaller pool, the best decks in the format, like the best combination of 60 cards that are the most efficient are going to be smaller. So, uh, you know, in standard, you may only have four or five decks that are like the best, right? As far as like win percentage ratio. But in Legacy, it could be 15 uh, for Magic. You know what I mean? Right. You've played Magic before, right? I still play Magic, actually. Oh, you still play Magic. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you, you're familiar with Standard and, like, the way that things rotate and mm-hmm. what's what's the best and what's just kind of not as good, right? Right, exactly. With that being said, where the – I think that where that, that hatred is is there's so many people that attempt to reinvent the wheel. And, and they they want their own, I don't know if it's necessarily ego, but they want their place in that history to say, like, oh, I made this deck. I did this, right? They want to have and, their, like, impact on the versus community with saying, oh, I made this deck. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And who doesn't? I mean, I remember, man, I remember in Magic, I would, at, like, before a tournament, I would be up all night. Like trying to like build a deck before I go to the match. I go to the match tournament, I get slaughtered, right? And it, I w- I would always be so upset. But at the time, I I just refused to just shell out the cash and just mm-hmm. get the best deck in the format. It was very clearly top eighting at every event in the last like four months. And somehow, like I thought, like you know, me Jacob Wheeler was gonna be able to just like build this deck out of you know his pile of trash rares and commons (laughs) and somehow you know beat these these decks that have been established forever right right and uh, that's one of the issues that i think that we run into and i I have a really interesting story about that because you know that kind of this kind of ties into to net decking and and anti-net decking i'm sure that you've heard i don't net deck Oh man, I hear that all the time, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And none of this is to say, oh, you should change your mind or you should do it this way or that way. You know, play however you want. But when people say that, this is basically what you're saying. When you're like, I refuse to net deck. You're saying, if we're playing football, I refuse to do a hell mary play. I refuse. I won't do it. Like mm-hmm. I won't do these very specific 
things that are defined as what you should do in these specific scenarios. If I have a kid, oh man, I am not going to nurture them to the fullest of their ability. Right. Listening to them? No, no way, man. That's that's in the parenting books. I'm not doing that. I don't net book. I don't look up research and do any of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And and we can we can go on and on and on. Um, and honestly, what winds up happening is in a competitive environment, you wind up bringing so much grief and frustration. If if you're one of those types of people that get you know frustrated really easily, you're just going to cause so much pain on yourself reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, have you have you ever struggled with this, like in magic or anything like that? Okay, I will say that. I've tried, like, you know, doing homebrews of personal, like, my own personal deck. But, you know what? I always come to back to to net decking because, you know, number one, I'm too lazy to come up with my own deck. Uh, number two, when you play, like, the net decks and meta decks, as it were, you know, one thing that I want to mention that a big disadvantage by playing a net deck is people know what you're going to be playing. Whereas mm-hmm. if you kind of come up with your own homebrew of a deck then you know people are like what is this deck how do i play against it my sideboard is trash for it you know so i definitely right. think net decking and you know homebrews definitely have advantages and disadvantage on the on the playing field as it were but you know i i'm not personally i'm not against net decking you're just you know again the problem is is if you play a deck that people are known about then you're going to know all the strategies of that deck and your opponent's going to know all the strategies of that deck. Absolutely. And you know, there's, there's a funny, there's a funny story that, that I have about that. I want to get back to like what, what you had just brought up here in just a second. Cause I think it's mm-hmm. a really good point, but there was a moment where I was in the military and I went to South Korea and you know, there wasn't really a whole lot to do. And so what I, what I really love to do, I, t- I finally found my versus cards that I'd had as a kid. You know, I went on, I went on leave, um, and I, I visited my house and, you know, I was like, man, like I had like checkmate villains, United deck, like, you know, back when I was like, you know, 11 or 12, like playing in a couple tournaments and, uh, you know, a bunch of Heralds of Galactus stuff. And I was like, where is that stuff? And I finally found it. It was in a star Wars box of, you know, like the old star Wars collectible card game. Mm-hmm. Um, the decipher and, one. Yeah. Yeah. The okay. decipher one. Yeah. Um, which I actually think the category one game sells. <laughs> yes, so, and you uh, can get it, those cards exclusively on category <laughs> one games.com. Man, you really missed your calling to be a, uh, a voice actor. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I finally found it, you know, I opened it up. I found like my old chaos Emperor dragon deck from the Yu-Gi-Oh days and like oh, cool. all that stuff. And yeah, it was really neat. And so I took all my cards back with me and, you know, I used the opportunity to catch up on everything. And I was thumbing through my cards, and I was like, man, I really like uh, Mental. I really like the X-Men Mental deck from, like, way back in the day. Oh, yeah. There was, a, there was a Silver Age X-Men Mental that, like, just came out of the woodworks with, like, Captain Boomerang and, like, White Tiger back when all that was, like, Silver Age. And, like, it, I mean, it just, like, randomly showed up, and it was, like, a control X-Men Mental deck. Uh, it was awesome. I loved it. It was it, it reminded me so much of Magic. It was so cool. And I was like, I'm going to take... I'm going to put my own spin on this. I'm going to make the best X-Men mental deck possible. And so, man, I made it my goal when I was in South Korea for like every every amount of time that I had that was free. I went into the think tank and I, I studied it. And I, But what I didn't do was net deck. I mm-hmm. told myself, 
I'm not going to net deck. I'm going to, this is going to be my own thing. Man, we're looking at like a solid eight months of me. Like really. And I took it seriously too, man. I grinded it out and I had it down. It was great. I had it down. I, I thought that, that everything was, except for my three drop. My three drop was trash. It was a tarot or tarot, depending on how you want to pronounce it. The Hellfire Club one, right? Yes. Oh, man. She's, she, she, he. I I, she, can't I think it's it. a she, yeah. I think it's a she, too. We probably shouldn't assume the gender, though. <laughs> so she, uh, you know, I was like, man, like, she's so terrible. Like, I, I don't know where we get off in thinking that just KOing a three drop to flip a plot twist face down or, or whatever its thing was at the time. Um, and I think that's what it was. Or flip is, a resource. Is that down. the, is that the, oh, you know what? I might be thinking of the, of something different. Is that the one where you reveal the top card? If it's a mental, put it into your hand. Or am I thinking of something different? I thought, I thought it was, you might hear clicking. I'm going to look this up. Okay. Um, I thought no that, uh, it was when it gets stunned or something, um, you can, you can like reveal or you can KO her. No, you're right. Yeah. yeah okay. That, yeah. My okay. bad. Okay. Yeah. At the start of the combat phase, read the top card of your deck. If it's a mental card, put it in your hand. Right. right. Okay. Still, four defense stats. I, I never kept her on the board. Right. Like, it, it just, she was terrible. She wasn't very good. This is terrible and, without, that we're talking about, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. The Hellfire Club. Yeah. Right. Mental. Um, yeah. So, anyway. And I just, I specifically remember wanting to find a solution. And I wanted to stall things out a little bit. And man, there was this moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I can use, I think it's like Utopia or, or Psylink or something. Basically, I can make my mutants energy as well and cross them over. Oh, and I can okay. start using magnetic force, I think is what it's called. It's, it's basically the, it, you know, you exhaust one of your own energy characters, I believe. And then you can exhaust a character on the other side of the board with a cost less than what you exhausted. And I was like, this is so cool. Like, this is awesome. But it was still so clunky. And it wasn't really working out. I finally figured it out, man. I was like, this is eight months later. I trashed the whole idea. And I was like, Dr. Doom, three drop. Why am I not just running three drop Dr. Doom with this mental list? Mm -hmm. And run a mystical paralysis instead of the magnetic force or the energy. I don't have to team up anybody, and I can just exhaust Dr. Doom, stall it out, bring out the Galactus, I'm good to go, right? Mm -hmm. And, man, I was so happy with myself. I was stoked. Dude, this was eight months in the making, right? Right. I come across an article about X-Mental, and it was the same list. I, and I swear, I, ne I never looked it up. I never did anything. Like, this was my own creation. And after all of that work, I realized that the work was already done for me. And <laughs> it was it, you know, it didn't make me feel very good. I felt like I wasted a whole bunch of time. I mean, it was I learned nothing. Like it was it was an absolute time waster. And you know, not everyone's experience is going to be like that. But you know, when we talk about reinventing the wheel, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Most of the time, if you just look up an article, like most of the competitive or the professional players have already done what you're doing and more than likely have already put in that work of min-maxing the slots and making sure that the ratios are correct. And honestly, their list is probably going to be a lot better uh, most of the time, you know? Right. So, you know, and, and I'd love to hear anyone's experience if, if they have something somewhere in the comments. That would be really cool to read. We have 
uh, different levels of decks, right? Mm-hmm. So um, let's let's categorize this. And, and I believe that we have our seasons um, kind of split up into this concept as well. Let's say that the best decks in, in Versus, statistically the best decks, the, those that we see with the highest win percentage, mm-hmm. we're looking at eight or ten roughly of the best decks of Versus. We'll call those tier one decks. And this same concept reaches to uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic and, and a bunch of other uh, card games as well. Next, we have like tier 1.5 decks. And these are almost like your gimmick decks that like if you're not prepared for it or you're not sure what you're up against, you can still lose really badly. And in fact, if that tier 1, if every deck in that tier 1 list was banned, these tier 1.5 decks are so good they would become the new tier 1, right? They would become the new crazy overpowered decks right right and these decks are only kept in check by the tier one decks right so the tier one deck statistically kind of beats 1.5 but not by much but it's still higher you know the 1.5 decks you're looking at i don't know decks like handlock like the injustice gang handlock um you know x mental is is a good uh invisible touch doom crisis uh, which that's yeah, on, doom, that's doom on the crisis. that's yeah. on the borderline between tier 1.0 and 1.5 it is and that's the whole point is that they kind of dance back and forth mm-hmm. but if we were to play it against everything else in the meta it's very obvious that either it's not like um it's not consistent enough to be right. in that tier one list or it falls like just short and I think that's what people don't understand. There's not this fine brick line, you know, this fine column between, you know, these tier one decks, like nothing can beat it. It's just not true, you know. But the tier 1.5 decks, you know, the uh, press chess, that's uh-huh. another really good one. Um, or chess you know, press, as people also call it, but yeah, whatever egg, way you want. <laughs> yeah, exiles that isn't the panopticon combo, like the one where people are like, my exiles deck can win in three turns, right? But like, and it can, right? But it's not consistent. Just like Hulk, Hulk's easily tier one point five, because um, when you're sipping your Bacardi and rum, playing, you know, versus with the gentleman, uh, all of a sudden this guy shows up with Hulk, and like one out of every ten games, he completely bashes your face in on turn three or four, and right. you're just like, what in the world just happened? <laughs> you know what I mean? But he can't do it every game. Uh, same with Exiles. Uh, or, you know, Exiles can sometimes just straight up lose to, like, Flame Trap or something. And, and it makes it just a little bit inconsistent. Uh, but it can still get there. So those are kind of like your Tier 1.5 decks. Then you have your Tier 2 decks. Tier 2 decks are decks like uh, Fat Bat, right? Which, mm-hmm. they're, they, like, they're still good, you know, uh, Justice for All. Um, you know, and obviously Fat Bat is a little bit higher on that list, but but decks like that, uh, the old school Avengers Reservist, the one with Wonder Man and, and Kara Danvers, and, uh, right? All that stuff. Uh, you know, decks like that. You know, they still they have a good function, they have a good rotation, and then you have like straight up uh, like tier three decks, right? And tier three decks are like, uh, you know, my revamped uh, starter deck. From the Batman and Joker, <laughs> you know right, what I mean, right? Yeah, and and or it, it my new, my my uh, mono team affiliation new gods deck. <laughs> Seriously, for real, like it does what like it's intended to do, but it it just follows a curve, and that's about it, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. So so that's kind of the category, 
and you were talking about well uh you know my my decks if i'm playing uh you know if i'm playing tier one everyone knows what i'm playing right Mm -hmm. and and that you know that's that's a downfall of course but because it's tier one your win percentage ratio is going to be higher regardless of whether or not the opponent knows what you're playing or not. Right. And, uh, you know, it's still a downside, but it's not so much of a downside that, uh, you know, it should alter or change your mind in any way. But mm-hmm. with that being said, I, you know, going back to what I was talking about um, with, you know, versus system getting a really bad rap because of the lack of the boundaries and understanding for golden age what we're really truly looking at is people not understanding that category difference. And furthermore, people not understanding like the etiquette for playgroup. And I think this is going to be a big one, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure that you've experienced this as well. I know I have where everyone is just, uh, you know, just hanging out, sipping on their rum. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're all playing like our, you know, JSA brotherhood team up deck or our, crappy scroll deck or uh, my revenge squad deck you know what i mean like right. and then all of a sudden somebody rolls up with spider stall and just raffles over everybody and everybody's starting to be like okay like this is becoming toxic like i'm sure you've had this experience right okay so this is so we're talking about play groups in particular right yeah we're at that point okay so i will explain to you what my play group like what we do for my play group and what we typically do, there's about probably five or six of us in a playgroup. And we mostly, you know, in the beginning, we'll maybe do a couple of one-on-one matches, you know. And when we play those one-on-one matches, like, okay, what deck are you going to use? Are you going to use, like, a top-tier deck or kind of like a fun deck that you're trying yeah. out? My fun decks are usually, um, let's see here. I have a an all-EA X-Men deck. The, like the yeah. play for fun, my all EA Gotham Knights deck. Obviously, they're not going to be great because I'm limited the cards I can use since they're all EAs. Mm-hmm. And I also like, but you know, I play. And then what else is kind of? I'm trying to think what else is jank. Oh, I have an Insanity deck, so I don't know where Insanity really falls in terms of like tier 1.0 or 1.5. But I have just like my own Arkham Inmates build that I like to play for fun as well. Also, the Captain America Iron Man deck is another deck that I play for fun. But sometimes we'll play competitively, and that's when I'll use you know my competitive decks like my Spider Stall deck or my my Trinity deck, and. You know, I just kind of, it all depends on what we're in the mood for. Now, after we do a couple one-on-one games, usually all of us get together and we play a massive multiplayer game. And oh, cool. it's like, you know, there's about five of us, right? And when you play multiplayer as opposed to one-on-one, your strategy changes a lot. Because there's obviously some decks that, you know, are really great in multiplayer, and then, like you were talking about, you know, there's just some toxic decks for multiplayer as well. So, for an example, that Injustice Gang hand control deck yeah. is really toxic in multiplayer. I, yeah, I can imagine you're the hated person. In yes, that table. and you're the and you're the one person that everybody's going to go for. So, and I, I tried it actually a couple times, and it was awful when you have everybody go to you. But I've also played like my Secret Society deck in multiplayer, and it's it just it was just fine. Spider yeah. Stall. Spider Cell is really interesting to play in multiplayer because it's like you don't have to do anything to anybody unless they attack you. So if yeah. you're playing with like five different people and it's not your initiative and you're playing Spider Friends, you know, let's say your opponent 
decides to attack one of the other opponents and not attack you, well, you don't necessarily need to exhaust their characters at that point anyway. So you can kind of play this cat and mouse game where it, I think that's the right term, where, you know, you, you just wait to see what your opponent does to you before you react, I guess is the better right. way of saying it. And, right. you know, Spider Cell does okay for that. And then in our play group in particular, it's like we, we do this thing with multiplayer, like, Whoever plays the Hulk deck, you have to go after first because if they live, you have to kill them before turn eight because then they'll get the eight drop uh, Hulk, the one that when he becomes stunned, he KOs all characters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one. So it's like we have this rule is, oh, if you're playing against the Hulk deck, make sure you kill him by turn eight. You know, you don't have to attack him like all at once, but kill them before turn eight is the general rule in our group anyway. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, multiplayer decks like that, you know, you can be so toxic by being like, oh, here's my, uh, here's my beast, uh, you know, Latveria, Gamma Bomb. I'm going to use that four that, drop from Thunderbolts and Thunderbolts Stronghold or whatever, Thunderbolts Mountain. Or in my, in my group, it's, oh, I'm going to play Latveria with Beast with uh, seven drop Deadpool. I'm going to go for that thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, all of a sudden, like, yeah, you can totally be. <laughs> You can be toxic without really playing tier one, but I think that what's important, and I do this every time somebody hits me up on Discord for a game, uh, we always sit down. I'm like, okay, what tier are we playing? Mm -hmm. If we're playing tier, you don't have to tell me what deck you're playing, but if we're playing tier one, what I don't want you to do is be like, hey, man, like I'm new to the channel. Like, can we play? I'm like, yeah, man, of course. And then they're like, all right, well, here's, I, I only made on, you know, OCTGN, like I've only made uh, a deck with the cards I own and I only own four starter decks. And like, <laughs> I'm, I'm queuing up with like quick voltage or like bosun buddies. And I'm just like going to town, you know, I'm team attacking, like this is my seventh team attack in a row. And he's like, man, I, I think you've had enough. I'll be like, I tell you, I've had enough. You know, <laughs> and actually, <laughs> and actually, you bring up another interesting point. So this kind of sounds similar to scenarios that I have uh, at my local game shop because occasionally I'll play Commander in Magic with a couple of the guys at the shop, and yeah. you know, typically I say, okay, what's the power level of your deck you're going to use? You know, on a scale from one to ten, they're like, oh, I'm only using like a like a six or a seven, and I'm like, okay, I pull a six or a seven, but then when I actually go to play them, their deck is not a seven; it's more like a ten or eleven tier deck, right? Yeah. And yeah. you know, part of the problem is people interpret power levels differently than other people. So I think also going with this talking about, you know, tier decks and tier 1.0, 1.5, you know, it's definitely important to establish, you know, what you define as that. Like, I may say a, a tier 2 deck is Spider Soul, right? But you may think it's, like, powerful, you know? Yeah. So it's really, people have different, I mean, that's not how I honestly think. But I'm just right. using that as an example to what people, you know, everybody's going to have a d different opinion on what a power level is is what i'm trying to say here yeah man and i'm really glad that we're actually doing these segments because i feel like it's i hope that it's helping the community in a way that they can kind of interpret those power levels and and help deal with some of the things in the play group because i've also heard like play groups banning specific cards or eroding uh -huh. specific cards right and you know there, there's a couple things that you can do kind of i guess kind of wrapping up uh, this whole thing, uh, you know, some things that you can do to enjoy Golden Age more. Mm -hmm. 
is um, categorize, categorize your decks by tiers. Like I have like 36 something decks, right? Mm-hmm. But they're all like in the giant box with, you know, the, um, with, with the slots, you know, what right. was like a 5,000 count box or something. Oh, like the BCW boxes? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have the card dividers and I've written in permanent marker like the name of the deck and everything. Oh, yeah, very but cool. But my first row is all tier one decks. My second row is the tier 1.5 decks, but the good tier 1.5 decks. And then my next row is like a finish of the tier 1.5. And then the other rows are like tier two. And so, like, if my little brother comes over to play, I'm not, I'm not grabbing like Mega City and just thrashing him a new one. I'm grabbing like Justice for All or Morlock's Heal, and we're actually having a good time. Yeah, know? and that's that's an important thing to note too. Is you know, especially if let's say for an example, you're trying to get new players into the game. If you want to teach them how to play a game, definitely teach them something with an easy deck, even if it's like you mentioned earlier, the Batman Joker starter or the Spider Man Doc Ock starter deck. You know, just to show people how to play, you don't want to teach somebody and bring out like a super powerful deck that's just going to smash them, you know, because that's not going to get them to like the game at all. You know, if they know they're going to get beaten every time because you're playing the top tier deck, you know, you, it's just like, you know, start them with training wheels and then gradually work them up to riding the bike, you know. That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, definitely, man. And right around for me, right around MTU, uh, mm-hmm. as that was being released. My uh, my shop, they kind of stopped. Uh, a lot of people stopped coming to the versus stuff, mm-hmm. and I think it was right around Squadron Supreme, like right when Fate Squad was like a thing. Oh, okay. Is, is when things started to become kind of toxic, right? Uh, and especially in in my community, everybody's community is different, but in mine it was. And what wound up happening? was there was like a core group of like eight players that we were still doing tournaments on Sundays. And, you know, they were, the meta wasn't tier one. The meta, I mean, I guess today's, according to today's meta, it was more like tier two. And, but I was running Fate Squad, which is more like a tier 1.5. I mean, you can really thrash somebody with Fate Squad if they don't have an answer. Right. And, um, you're familiar with that deck, right? Yep. It's, uh, it's uh, the Fate Artifact with Squadron Supreme. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, just the OG Thunderbolt Squadron Supreme list, right. and then we added, yeah, a couple of Marvel X Men cards and, and the Fate artifacts. But anyway, um, so you know, I and I just want to just wrecking everybody. I won first place, like, gosh, like uh, two, three months in a row. Uh, oh, wow. You know, just out of, just out of eight people. I mean, it wasn't a crazy accomplishment, but nobody could really keep up, and uh, people just quit. I, I expected them to just run my list. But instead of conforming, they were just like, ah, it's not worth it. And they quit. So you can really, your mentality, you can really drive out your play group. And that's actually when I stopped playing Versus for, for a long time. It, because there was just nobody that played back when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, that, that ego that I had was, was, was big. And if I just dropped a tier level... I, and, and ran, you know, my Doctor Doom, Marvel's Heralds of Galactus, you know, set block deck. I, uh, you know, we probably could have kept things going. And, uh, you know, that's, I think that that's something really to consider. So categorize your decks. Have clear communication with everybody in your playgroup to say, okay, are you playing a tier one deck or are you playing a tier two deck? And, and you should have at least one tier one deck. I know that many people may be against net decking or something like that, but... You cannot net deck a checkmate deck. 
it's I guarantee you, even when Checkmate first came out, the block tournaments that they ran, somebody has already done your list and probably did it better. So I think that where you can get by with doing those net decks, uh, like just saying like, oh, I'm going to build my own list, is when you venture more into the lower tier 1.5 and then the tier 2 decks. And you should have fun. Play the game how you want. You know, don't use a ban list if you don't want to use a ban list. But you have to be clear with all of your, uh, your, your training partners, your buddies, about you know what the standard is and what the expectation is. Otherwise, I think it's going to cause a lot of frustration and toxicity in your playgroup for sure. Okay, so um, I think that's it for your segment. And unless right. there's anything else that you want to add that you forgot to mention. No, nah, man, that's 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 about it. Um, and I guess any closing statements would would basically be, you know, nobody is, uh, and and the whole reason for this episode, nobody's trying to tell you, especially us, we're not trying to tell you how to play, and we're not trying to tell you what decks to play. We're not even trying to change your mind about net decking. For me, I'm trying to offer you maybe a different perspective on why some people may not think that net decking is a big deal, and as we're going through like our our season our first season um you know understand that these are all decks that that you know you and i pretty much unanimously agree that you know these are all tier one decks many people agree that these are all tier one decks uh one of the highest ratio decks you can play and by taking your own list like your own you know uh batman deck and running it against some of these tier one decks you're gonna get wrecked you're gonna get destroyed and you may win a couple, but if we were to play 100 games, I would definitely come out ahead, uh, or, or somebody else would definitely come out ahead if they knew how to pilot some of these decks. So, you know, like I said, just take those take those into account. It may not necessarily be, oh, well, it's this one card that's a problem, you know, or, or we're banning, you know, a whole deck. It may be you. It may be the fact that you're choosing just to play a lower-tier deck when if you just invested in a high-tier deck, you would be able to compete when they play theirs and, and it might make things a little bit better for your play group. I guess that would be my closing comments. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you know, it was definitely a very good segment to talk about here. You know, you made a lot of good points, you know, mostly the, the thing that I got out of this is, you know, making sure that, you know, everybody, you and your play group are happy with the decks that you're all playing. Nobody's like playing stuff that's too powerful and you all agree on the power level of your decks. Mm -hmm. you for know? sure. So, but okay, yeah, sweet. So that'll conclude Jacob's segment on what defines a meta. And now we're going to come into the meat of this episode, which is my segment, which is called Versus System Finance. So let's go ahead and jump into that segment. Okay, so now we're going to start with my segment, which is called Versus System Finance. And what exactly is Versus System Finance? Well, it's going to be a segment where we talk about four different sections. As I mentioned earlier, these uh, four sections are going to be cards you should buy, where to buy cards, how to determine the value of your cards, and a market speculation. And I'll go into more detail about those as we approach them. So I also want to mention that before we get started on this segment, you know, a lot of the things that we're going to be discussed is our opinion and other people in the community may disagree with our thoughts. And that's okay. You know, if you disagree with some of the things that we talk about, please feel free to leave them in the comments of the YouTube channel. And, you know, with that being said, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into it. So the first section we're going to talk about is cards you should buy. And what are some staple cards you should pick up if you want to begin playing the Versus System Golden Age format? 
And the term staple refers to any card that is capable of boosting the power level of a deck. It's also could also be cards that you may swap around that can be used in different decks. And they're not really specifically, you know, made for a single deck type. And when we talk about these cards, we're not going to be talking about the cards and what they do like we've done in our deck profile videos because I think it would just take up too much time. But we will show pictures on the YouTube channel if you want to read them. Also, we're going to be talking about cards that are used in multiple decks and not cards that are used for a specific deck. So for an example, Gift Wrapped or Indebted are not going to be on this list because they are specifically for a Spider-Man themed deck. And you can only really use those cards in that archetype. So that's we're just talking about the general cards that you can use in multiple decks. Okay, so the first card on our list is you should definitely pick up four copies of Mobilize. Mobilize can cost you anywhere from... 35 to $200 each, the most expensive being the foil Marvel Legends one, of course. And the next on the list is definitely a card that we've mentioned on our previous episodes. It's Enemy of My Enemy. We recommend getting a full playset of these, and they can cost anywhere from $25 to $75 each, the most expensive being the EA version, the extended art version. And then this is also a... The third on the list is Only Human which we recommend four copies of, and this is cost you anywhere from $25 to $100 each, the most expensive being the foil Marvel Legends version. And then Straight to the Grave is next on the list. You know, it's it's a very big staple card. If you, out of these four cards that I just mentioned, I would say Straight to the Grave is probably the number one card you should pick up for your deck because a lot of decks use it. And you definitely should pick up a playset of these cards. And this can run you anywhere from $25 to $200 each. The most expensive being the, the extended art version. And then next on the list, number five, Mr. Mixelplick or Mixie. And I know people pronounce his name different way, but this is, I'm going to pronounce it Mixelplick uh, for this, you know, just, just the way I've been taught. So I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> Um, and that is Mr. Mixelplick Troublesome Trickster. Now, you don't necessarily need a playset of this card. We recommend maybe one copy of it. And he'll run you anywhere between $10 to $60 each. You know, the most expensive. There was a extended art version of him as well. And Jacob actually chose this card as part of our list. And I want to ask Jacob, Jacob, why did you choose this card in particular? Mainly, I chose him because... Um cards like straight to the grave and enemy of my enemy um mr mixie's pitlick which is the way that i pronounce it <laughs> right um is uh, you know he'll he'll return back to your hand for free every turn uh if he's in the graveyard or yeah the discard pile or the ko pile so uh when you discard enemy to my enemy uh when you discard him to enemy of my enemy most of the time he's really good fodder for for enemy because you're not running Secret Society in your deck. So he can, you know, by discarding, he can go get anything. And then you can return him back to your hand to rediscard to things like Sw Slaughter Swamp, Swatter Swamp, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, Avalon Space Station and, and cards like that. So uh, he helps manage your hand size to discard effects like Have a Blast and, and, and everything that we talked about earlier. So it's just a nice recursion card is yep. what it seems like to me. So, okay, cool. Awesome. Okay, so the next card on the list is Clash of Worlds. You know, we recommend you getting four copies of this. And they run about $20 each. It is a DC exclusive card. So I've been seeing a lot of these come up on auction, you know, on 
on Facebook and eBay. So Clash of Worlds is not impossible to get. So, you know, it's, uh, I, you know, recommend picking up that. We also recommend picking up the trifecta, as you may have heard us mention in previous episodes. But you're definitely going to want one copy of Soul World, one copy of Slaughter Swamp, and one copy of Avalon Space Station. Soul World can run in between $5 to $10 each, with the most expensive being the foil version of it. Slaughter Swamp will run you between $2.50 to $5 each, with the most expensive being the foil Justice League one. And then Avalon Space Station, it could be anywhere from $5 to $10, you know, $10 being the most expensive for the foil uh, Marvel Origins version. And then moving down the list, we recommend you picking up four copies of Birthing Chamber. And Birthing Chamber is can run you between $13 to $40 each, the most expensive being the EA version. And then next, we recommend you picking up four copies of Pathetic Attempt. And this is a fairly cheap card. They run about $4 each. And it was printed in the Coming of Galactus Starter. And also printed in that Coming of Galactus Starter is Omnipotence, which we recommend you getting four copies of. And they run about $3 each. And then another card that we recommend from that same starter deck is Human Torch Herald. And typically most decks only play one copy of him in a deck. But, you know, for $2 each, we recommend definitely picking up a full playset because you may he may be one of those cards that you may want multiple copies for multiple decks. And now, uh, just as kind of a side note, I just want to talk about the giant size Galactus start, uh, starter for a moment where we just talked about the last three cards and a really good way that you can purchase all three of these cards at once. So the average price for this Galactus starter is about $15, and that's a really great deal. And here's why. There's Marvel exclusive cards in that starter, and they could be worth anywhere from $2 to $15. There are 20 different Marvel exclusive cards, and you get five random ones in the starter. So the worst case scenario, you pull five of uh, five $2 cards, which totals $10. But on top of that, you also get three copies of Omnipotence, which they're $3 each, and four copies of Pathetic Attempt, they're $4 each. So if you add just those cards together, you get 10 plus 9 plus 16, which is $35. And you just spend about $15 on the Galactus Starter. You definitely get more than what you paid into it, which is, you know, is just phenomenal. And I forgot to mention, you also do get the Human Torch Herald in there as well. So, you know, that brings the total to about $37 and you just paid $15. So great value. So if you're somebody that's still looking for those cards, I would recommend picking up the giant size Galactus starter for sure. And we actually have more cards on this list, but in the interest of time, I think we're going to save them for a future episode. But there's definitely more cards that we want to mention. But for that, I am just going to kind of just stop it there and we're going to move on to our next section. Okay, now we're moving on to our second section of this segment and that is where to buy the cards. Now, we have a big list here and usually when people are looking to buy single cards or maybe, you know, any versus system product for that matter, the number one place that people, you know, they tend to go to is eBay. Now, eBay is not really terrific for single cards because I've noticed that the prices of the cards seem to be a little bit more expensive on there. But who knows, you can get lucky at an auction and get something, for example, you know, sealed product or play mats that you can't find anywhere else. 
And if you're bidding on a single card, you have the potential to get it lower than what it's actually worth. So eBay is usually people's default um, website to go to try to find singles. But, you know, you can do it. But I normally don't do it a whole lot. I may search for a sealed product every once in a while. But, you know, eBay is definitely the first one to mention on this list. And the next place you can go to to buy single cards is, as I, we mentioned that they are their sponsor for this episode, but they are s- still a really great website. And we emphasize how much this website, you know, it's definitely really great to find versus system singles on here. And that is Category1Games.com or Cat1 as other people refer to it. You know, they it's the best place to buy versus system product and other discontinued card games as well. You know, they have a huge inventory of cards, and the inventory is updated on a regular basis, which is always nice. And usually people in the community, is they use Category 1 games as the number one place uh, to determine the value of cards in terms of trading, and maybe even selling for that matter. And we kind of consider this as the TCG player for Versus System. You know, Scott Church, who is the owner, is an active member on the Versus System community. He will post in the Versus System Collective group on Facebook when he gets new inventory. So for an example, he'll post pictures of newly acquired cards and say something like, oh, I got these cards from a huge collection and they will be on the website later today. So he definitely gives the community the first crack at getting these cards, which is I've never really experienced that with any other, you know, card game website. So it's really awesome that Scott is an active member on the group and he really, you know, gives people the cards that they're looking for. So that's that's a big, big thing about Category 1 that I love. And another thing that I love is they offer free shipping on... They offer free first-class shipping with orders of 35 or more on single cards, which, you know, that's pretty good if you're looking to buy, like, a bunch of cards for your decks. And the last thing I want to talk about them is they have this really awesome policy that they do that they will combine shipping and refund the difference in shipping costs if you make multiple orders within the same day so for an example let's say i my first order i order 40 dollars worth of cards you know i send the payment and everything's in the system so let's say i'm building mega city and i got the cards and paid for the first order it's in the system order's been placed i go back to my deck and i decide oh you know what i forgot there's a couple cards that i got to add on my first order let me go back and make another order so you do a second order on there and you let's say the second order is twenty dollars so you end up paying four dollars extra for shipping well what category one games will do is if they notice that you have those two orders uh and they're from the same customer category one will actually combine your two orders in one package and credit you back the money you spent on shipping on the second order back to your account So it's really, you know, don't worry about paying for shipping if you forgot something because he'll just refund it to you. Um, Scott Church, the owner, will refund you and credit back to your account, which is a super awesome feature because it definitely helps you as a customer to save money. And it makes him look good as a seller because it will keep you coming back to the website again, which is I think is a phenomenal marketing tool, in my opinion. Now, the thing about Category 1 is that they're not going to have every card that you're looking for. But, you know, they have a huge inventory of cards and definitely great if for new players if they're looking for, like, new commons and uncommons. But, you know, there's some EAs that are really hard to find that they don't have on the website. 
And you also have to constantly check the inventory of cards uh, when they're added on the website because other people may get the cards uh, before you can check out. So that is, you know, one thing to consider when you're shopping on Category1Games.com. So the third website on the list is going to be one that not a lot of people heard of a lot, but that one is bstwcollectibles.com. They still carry Versus System singles, playmats, seal product, and all that stuff. However, their inventory is not as good as Category 1 games, and some of their cards are actually more expensive. They mostly have commons, but you have a few rares on the website as well. And most of their out-of-stock prices, you can tell that they haven't been updated for a long time. You know, for an example, I was on the website a couple days ago, and I saw that they had Batman Founding Member, the foil version, on the website for $60.99, which that card is clearly worth a lot more now. And I also noticed that the non-foil was $59.99, so for an extra dollar, you got, you know, you can pay an extra dollar for the foil version, but they're out of stock on it, so... You know that they don't i don't think they update as frequently as category one games does but you know definitely bstw collectibles is one of those places that you can go to if you know just to check it out the fourth website on the list that you know this is also i haven't seen anybody in the community really talk about this website so that is trollandtoad.com not again not a huge inventory they mainly have commons and uncommons and barely any rares but however they do have some play mats so if you want to pay let's say $74 for the onslaught play mat or $103 for the JLA play mat that's definitely the place to go they have those in stock but obviously you know that's really high price for a play mat and they don't like I said they don't have a great inventory but at least you have options if you need to find singles so trollandtoad.com is another website and the fifth website on the list is i refer to this as the secret agent that not a lot of people know about but a lot of people who are active in the versus system community know this one and that is hills wholesale gaming not really a great place to buy singles because they have a total of six different single cards on the website that's it so if you're looking for have a blast Superman Avatar Peace, Avengers Assemble, Null Time Zone, Venom Alien Symbiote, or if you're looking for the tinfoil promo card set of four, the Spider-Man, Magneto, Doctor Octopus, and Wolverine, you could find those are the only single cards you could find on the website. Now, I do remember sometime last year they were selling Enemy of My Enemy, but they're all gone right now. And they were actually they were selling them as not individual cards, but they were selling them as like a set of four of them. And I actually was checking my records a few days ago, and I bought one of those uh, sets of four on May 29th, 2020 for $25 each. And I know that they've gone up in value a lot since then. So, but now they're gone now because I think people found out about them and, you know, just somebody bought them all out. But now, even though Hills Wholesale Gaming doesn't have a lot of good Versus System singles, they have an amazing inventory of sealed product, in my opinion. Uh, it's definitely the, place, the best place to go if you're looking for sealed product. The best sealed product that they still have, and I'm actually pretty shocked that they still have them today, but they actually still have Marvel Universe booster boxes on there, you know, which it's definitely one of the more sought after sets, in my opinion. But I mean, it's obviously not a Marvel Legends or DC Legends booster box, but it's still pretty good. 
for, you know, Marvel Universe, I still think was a pretty decent set. So, you know, you can still pick up those boxes there. In addition, you can also still buy boxes of Infinite Crisis, Legion of Superheroes, the Hellboy Essential Starter. They do have also the Giant Size Galactus Starter there. And they have so much more sealed product. Now, the big disadvantage with them is when you buy from Hills Wholesale Gaming, if you plan on buying sealed product, you now have to pay for ground shipping, which can be at least $25, depending on how much you buy and the weight of the package. And typically, ground shipping can be pretty slow as well. The last place that we're going to talk about on where you can buy Versus System cards is not actually a website. It's actually called the Versus System Collective Group on Facebook. It's a great place to find rare cards that you can't find anywhere else on the previously mentioned websites. You know, people in the group will post cards for sale or more commonly post cards for auction. You could potentially get cards for cheaper than what they're worth. Also, people will post items that you normally don't see on websites, such as Versus System t-shirts, rare playmats, some deck boxes, and even original artwork. Tom Fleming, who has done artwork for several different Versus System cards, like my personal favorite, Batman, Cape and Cow, has posted eBay links of his original sketches that were on auction on eBay, and he just kind of posts them in the Facebook group. And obviously that's something you can't really find from, you know, the, the websites mentioned earlier. And now with the recent pandemic, many people have been stuck at home and now they have time to go through their boxes of Versus System cards and sell them on the group because maybe they need the money because they're out of work for whatever or for whatever reason they just need the extra cash. So in my opinion, it's a great time to buy and sell Versus System cards right now because, you know, a lot of people are buying and you have a... A lot of people that are selling as well and the buyers you know me in particular i've had an inhumans deck that i've had uncompleted for so many years but recently i was able to get the great refuge the missing card to my inhumans deck so i was able to do that by joining the versus system collective group on facebook and if you're not part of the group now i definitely recommend you being part of the group if you want to if you're looking for versus system cards you know the community has been awesome and one great thing that you can do on the group that you can't do on websites is you can actually interact with people and trade cards if you want. You usually trade by using Facebook Messenger and you guys figure out what your trade is going to be. But I'll kind of talk about more into how you should trade cards when we come to our next section in this finance segment, which is now. And now we're going to talk about how to determine the value of your cards. Okay, so the next section, how to determine the value of your cards. You know, as I mentioned earlier, many people use Category 1 games to determine the value of cards. If a particular Versus System item is not on Cat 1, then the second option is to go on eBay, or if possible, you can go on the Facebook group to see if there was an item that was sold on an auction that you can also determine the value of, you know, the item that you're looking for. And this is definitely a good idea to help get you an idea of how much, you know, the item, the Versus System item you're looking for is worth. You know, many people in the community use Category 1 games as their source of determining uh, what the price of a card is. And this is typically my process when I'm looking for cards on the Facebook group. And I'm just going to share that really quickly. So let's say, for an example, I want the card A Clash of Worlds. And I checked on Cat1 and I see that the card goes for about $20. I make a post on the group saying something like, oh, I'm looking for one copy of Clash Worlds. I'm willing to trade or buy. 
And then let's say later that day, someone messages me and says, I have a copy for $30 shipped. And this is something that may happen to you where a seller is asking for more than what was listed on Cat 1. So the question you ask yourself is, should you pay $10 more than what the card is worth? And these are things to consider. Number one, what does the $30 shipped mean exactly? Does that mean it gets shipped with a you know stamp and an envelope? Or does that mean that the $30 amount includes track shipping? And track shipping is usually about $4 within the U.S. and more if you're located outside of the U.S., obviously. And the other thing to consider is, as a collector, are you willing to pay the extra $10 difference for the card you want? Personally, I feel if it's a card that doesn't come up frequently, I wouldn't mind paying the difference because you're really paying for the convenience of getting, in this example, Clash of Worlds. There are other ways that you can also negotiate with sellers to see if they will lower the price of the Clash of Worlds to $20. Maybe you can offer to buy more of the seller's cards that they, are, that they have for sale or try to work out a trade in the process where you might trade $10 worth of cards plus $20 cash. You know, you can always ask and the worst case they can say is no. That's how I've always felt about it. As a general rule of thumb, I try not to pay over $10 worth the value of the card, but it really depends on the rarity of the card and how badly you as a collector want the card. So to sum up everything, you know, pretty much it comes down to supply and demand. You know, that's, that's really to it. And I just want to also mention that sometime last year in the Facebook group, somebody was selling uh, sealed boxes of DC Legends for 500 each. And I think he had like six or eight boxes that he found, I'm sure, at a shop somewhere. I recently checked on eBay and those boxes are going for $2,800 each, which again, this is the whole idea of, you know, like I mentioned about eBay is that the prices of Versus system product tends to be significantly more than it was, you know, anywhere else. So that's why I was mentioning about eBay earlier. So this is going to conclude this section, how to determine the value of your cards. And we're going to move on to our last section, which is the market speculation. Okay, so the last section we're going to talk about in our Versus system finance segment is we're going to talk about market speculation. And we talk about some of the cards that have been increasing in price over the past year and cards that we predict may be worth more in the future. So in the last year, I've noticed that there's a, been a bunch of Versus System cards that have just been increased in price recently. And I narrowed it down to four cards as of the recording of this video. But obviously, there may be a lot more cards that I may have missed and that I'm not aware of. So if you guys have noticed an increase in price on some of these cards, you know, make sure to leave them in the comment section of the YouTube channel. But the number one card that I want to talk about is Superman Metropolis Marvel. This card was going for about $100 and now is $150. And if you're a big Superman fan, you know, this is a very popular card. You know, it was obviously printed in the DC Legend set, which was a low print run set. And the value of this card has been going up a lot lately so that's also something is so if you're a big superman fan and you need metropolis marvel you know definitely consider picking it up i know the 150 price tag is a lot but it does have the potential to go up but that's like a 50 percent increase over the past year which is pretty huge in my opinion so if you're definitely a superman fan and you want to build like the world's finest deck or some kind of team superman deck definitely you know keep this on your radar 
And the next one after that is going to be Wonder Woman Ambassador of Peace. She was about, I think, like $75 or $80 last year. And then she shot up to $100, which, you know, now she's hit the $100 mark. I know it's not a big percentage increase compared to the Superman. But, you know, this is a card also printed in the DC Legends set that was a low print run set. If you're a Wonder Woman fan, you definitely want to consider picking up this card before it gets too high because I guarantee that this is another card that will, you know, increase a lot in the future. So the next card on the list of price increases is, and this is something that has actually changed this year. This card was $30 towards the beginning of the year, and now it's shot up to $60. And that is Riddler Riddle Me This. And again, another card from the DC Legends set. But he is, and it's really interesting that this card has doubled its price within, you know, a few months because he's only really used in the Secret Society deck. I don't know anybody else that's used him in any other decks besides that. So if you're looking to make the Secret Society deck in the future, definitely try to get a hold of this Riddler card because I guarantee you that I think a lot of people, I've noticed that there's been an increase in popularity in the secret society deck and everybody wants to make it because it's just a fun deck and it actually it could be competitive in golden age in the next couple of years in my opinion if it's not already that is so definitely if you're looking to make the secret society deck you know keep riddler riddle me this on your radar as well and the last card on the list which is actually not a dc legends card this time because i know the last three cards i mentioned were dc legends card so only human is going to be the last card on our list that has increased in price and i remember only human being only a five dollar card but now it is shut up to a 25 dollar card and that's a big percentage increase compared to the other three cards that we just mentioned even though 20 it's it's not a big dollar amount but the the percent in the percentage increase is significantly more and I've noticed people on the Facebook group that they are looking for only humans. And it's a it's a card that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's one of the cards that you should pick up because, you know, it's just it helps deal with a lot of problematic cards. You know, it's it's the answer that helps you win the game. And so if you have a chance to get only human, you should definitely pick it up as well, because I guarantee that card will also it might hit the fifty dollar mark, you know, within the next year or two. I could see you doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the next list is the cards that we predict will increase in price in the future. And personally, I've noticed that a lot of people have been looking for have been looking for and have been selling a Clash of Worlds and right now it's about $20 each. I definitely think this card will increase over time because of just the popularity of making characters you know not unique for the turn and it opens up to a lot of like fun character decks so if you're like a batman fan you could put this in a batman themed deck and have all your batman characters be non-unique so i definitely think that this is a card that you should that will definitely increase more will become more valuable over time and then the next on the list is crisis on infinite earths and this is a card that hasn't really gone up a whole lot you know, in the past couple of years, it's currently worth uh, $15. But there's something to me that I have a feeling that this, the, the Doom Crisis deck is going to become more popular. And when that deck becomes popular, people are going to want these Crisis on Infinite Earths. So we definitely think this is a card that will increase in prices in the future as well. And then 
Next is Straight to the Grave. Straight to the Grave is just a staple card in so many decks, and I'm surprised that, you know, it still has a price tag of $25, and it hasn't really changed a whole lot in the future. And this is $25 for the Justice League version. I've We've seen an increase in price on the DC Legends one, you know, recently, but uh, Straight to the Grave is definitely going to see a significant increase, you know, in its value over time. Another one to consider, too, is Batman Cape and Cowl. You know, he's currently $15 each. And he is also a card that, again, was straight to the grave. It hasn't really gone up a whole lot in the past couple years. And I think the reason why he hasn't gone up, because he has a six drop, and it's, you know, you're probably, when you're playing Golden Age, you're dead by turn five. So, and if he's a turn six, then, then you know, it might be kind of awkward in terms of that but i definitely think cape and cowl has the potential to go up maybe not by much but at least by five or ten dollars so batman cape and cowl definitely a card on our radar for cards to increase in price over time and continuing with another batman card is batman founding member from dc legends it is currently 75 dollars each but i guarantee you in the next couple years this card will probably hit the hundred dollar mark only because it's it's just a really good card and again it was from a low print run set so definitely something to check on the radar as the as we go into the following years and the next card that i want to mention is the hal jordan founding member who's currently at 22 dollars again another dc legends card i know we're saying a lot of these dc legends cards but Hal Jordan is also a card that really hasn't gone up a lot, but, you know, he his ability makes it so, you know, you remove him from the game, you get to search your deck for any card and put it into your hand. And it's a great card that helps you set up for your future turns and just helps you get the cards. Yes, you do lose your three drop in the process, but, you know, turn four or five and six are going to be more important than your turn three. So I definitely see Hal Jordan at least hitting the $40 mark in the next couple years, personally. But again, you know, that's this is all speculation. Yeah, so now we are going to come to our last card on the cards that we predict will increase in price. And this is obviously no stranger to the Versus System community. It is the Spider-Man Ultimates card. This card is currently $150. I remember, I think last year it was about like $100 or something like that, $120. I do remember a time when they were selling for $25 each, and this was like probably 10 years ago. And the Spider-Man Ultimates, I guarantee you this will hit the $200 mark in the next few years because it's such a hard card to find. It's a staple card in the Spider-Stall deck. You know, if people are listening to our podcast and they listen to the Spider-Stall deck, they're probably going to want to make the deck, and that means those Spider-Man Ultimates will be a really hard card to find. So, actually, the Spider-Man Ultimates should have probably been, you know, if... What's the best way to say this? If you're looking to make the spider stall deck, you should definitely, this is like a staple you need for that deck. And, you know, I know we talked about the two different deck profiles. Jake, Jacob didn't use this one in his deck because he uses the Cardiac instead. But if you're looking, I would say recommend, I would recommend picking up this card if you're making the spider stall deck. Definitely. Um, I think that, uh, you know, with, with this, we're looking at two different angles. We're looking at, you know, from a competitive Golden Age standpoint. Right. We're looking at also from a, a friendly standpoint, too, from like, you know, a tier 1.5 or tier 2 deck. People are still going to want to pick these up. And then you have your completionists that just like to collect really 
good looking cards or cards that are hard to find. I'm really surprised that this isn't already two hundred dollars to be honest. Yeah, and I and I guarantee it'll hit the two hundred dollar mark sometime in the future. But so yeah, that concludes it for my versus system finance segment. You know, if you guys hopefully we this segment will give you guys an idea on how to look for versus system cards and determine the price and where to buy the cards. But that's going to conclude it for my segment. I don't know, Jacob, is there anything that you wanted to add before the segment's uh, over? I, You know, go pick up Have a Blast. Go get them. Oh, you yeah, know, that's uh, true. I think that they're on the up and up, um, you know, and uh, I think that in the next couple of years we're going to see Death of the Dream and Have a Blast um, pretty pretty up there in the 7 to $10 range, um, I, I believe, personally. Okay. Uh, and, and then uh, what's the what's the other one? Mister Freeze. It's like a, I think it's a six drop from DC Legends. Is that the Secret Society one? Yeah, he's actually yeah. like relatively cheap, uh, and and it's weird. It almost seems like he's gone down in price. Go go get him. He's before he shoots up to be a twenty dollar card. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, and, and even I, even yeah. if you're not looking to make the Secret Society deck, at least have it in you know use it for trade bait. You know, if you definitely, if you're not planning on making the deck, you know, use it for trade bait for trade bait for a deck that you would want to make. Yeah, and I think cards like not to get don't get the coriander, the um, the seven drop, Xanner's uh, Fury, or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's too it's too expensive right now. Don't don't buy it. Don't buy any of the EAs that are like two hundred and fifty bucks. Um, the ones that are like super hard to find, I I think that they'll retain their value, but I don't think that you'll see a return on the investment at all i think they're just going to stay exactly where they're at and and that's it because there's not many in circulation and when they do go in circulation people try and get them as cheap as they can um and i think i think that's it okay now. okay great yeah. so yeah that that'll end it for this segment and uh Actually, I guess that will also conclude this uh, episode of the podcast. Oh, are we done? Yeah, yeah I, guess, okay, I, I, I didn't realize that that was the last part of it. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. So, I guess that will conclude it for this episode of the podcast. And once again, I would like to thank Scott Church and Category 1 Games for sponsoring this episode. And now is the time that I think people have listened to us long enough, and we're now going to reveal the coupon code. It's that, what you've all been waiting for. Yes, this is probably the only reason why people have listened to... They kept listening <laughs> at this point. Okay, so use the coupon code GOLDAPRIL for 15% off all orders with a purchase of $20 or more. Again, that's GOLDAPRIL. And this coupon is only good until the end of the month, so be sure to use it while you can. And also remember that all single card orders of 35 or more qualify for free first-class shipping. And then you can also check out Category1Games.com on YouTube. You know, Scott does pack openings for many discontinued card games. So search for Category1Games.com. Or, sorry, search for Category1Games on YouTube and subscribe to the channel. And please don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. Just search for a Super Fanboy Guy on YouTube and hit the subscribe button. And, Jacob, is there anything else that you want to add before we sign off here? So that's gold April, all caps, for 15% off all orders? Yep. Of $20 more? That's I'm so sorry. good. Yeah, and especially, and actually, Scott told me that he recently updated his inventory. Uh, I think Ooh. it was a couple of days ago. So definitely take advantage of the coupon code now while you can. And so our $100 card is going to be $85. That's right. Shipping. 
That's, that's right. insane. So if that's it, so yeah, so and also they do have a foil Superman Metropolis Marvel for four hundred dollars right now. So use that fifteen percent off coupon and save yourself Ooh, a couple bucks. Get it. If you're looking to buy it right now, now's the time to do it. Go get it. That's like yeah. what sixty dollars, sixty dollars off. Yeah. yeah, I'm not, I'm not, yeah. a math, I'm not a mathematician, so I wouldn't know exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so that'll do. Oh, you know what? Uh, we gotta talk about what we're gonna talk about the next episode. And I think next on the list is the X Men Winnie deck. I think we're gonna keep going with the deck profiles next. Yeah, the Xbox. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Xbox is that what it's called? Yeah, it's oh, okay. it's been uh, yeah, it's been nicknamed Xbox over the years. Okay, so yeah, Xbox. That's next X we'll cover in the next episode. And I am Brandon along with my co-host Jacob Wheeler. And thank you all for tuning in. And we will see you all next time.